Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. One of the most important ministries that the Apostle Paul had was planting churches. And he did that. I mean, when he was called out from Antioch, And he went from place to place, uh, you know, especially in Asia Minor, even when he went into Europe, planting churches is what he did. And this is Bert Harper along with Nathan Harper, and we're going to discuss this today. Our guest is going to be talking about planting churches. But Nathan, this is a biblical model, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. You know, the biblical uh, command is to make disciples, not actually to make, uh, to plant churches. However, when we are faithful in obeying that command of making disciples, well, churches are planted along the way. So, um, you know, you can—it's not good to confuse one for the other, but at the same time, as we're talking about planting churches, we need to know that making disciples is the the ground floor of that. You're going to make disciples in the local church. I mean, that's the way it is. They feed one another, uh, disciples feeding— uh, and planting churches, and then the churches making disciples, and Christ doing that, this it works together. Well, you were going to share with us some keys concerning uh, Paul's process. And, and again, I think he's the model. And matter of fact, I've heard a lot of people that are involved in church planting, they talk about Paul as their model. Are there some keys to this? Yeah, there are. There Actually, you can kind of, uh, you can really have any number of them, but um, five is a common uh, number uh, when you talk about planting churches, and you need to have uh, these strategies in place. Um, they're really not steps, so you don't do them necessarily in in order one after the other, although there is a little bit of that to it. Uh, the most important thing is to know that all five need to be, need, need to be present in the long run if you're going to plant healthy churches. So uh, the five strategies are the first one is entry, uh, an entry strategy. So you need to know how to get into the community, uh, you know, connect with people there. And, uh, and without saying it, really, there's an exit strategy involved in this. You need to know when you're going to exit and end uh, your work uh, and leave, you know, as the church planter uh, as you begin. So it's kind of like beginning with the end in mind. Right. So the first one is entry strategy. So what is the second one? Let's go. All right. we, second one is, yeah. is, is evangelism. You need to have a gospel sharing strategy. Uh, you want to have broad sowing of the gospel uh, as you go sharing the good news of Jesus uh, with the people that you have uh, entered into their, uh, their community with. So uh, an evangelism strategy is second. The third strategy is following up from that, really, a discipleship or growth strategy. You want to see followers of Jesus, new believers, uh, you know, you want to see them baptized, but also you want to see them grow in Christ and learn how to uh, read the Bible, pray, and do that on your own uh, more and more as they mature, uh, apart from actually the church planter. Um, 
And then kind of really close in connection with discipleship is the actual church formation, the forming of a local church, a local body where, you know, it could be two or three gathered, uh, could be more. Usually they're smaller groups that start and you're gathering people together, uh, believers who have been baptized, covenanting, covenanting with one another to be the church in a local place. Um, and of course, there's growth that goes along with that. The fifth strategy is leadership development, which really has to take place in all of the other steps, uh, all of the other strategies. Leadership development is is the key to seeing multiplication happen. You want to see leaders formed and grown who will be able to lead the church when the church planter leaves. So those are your five key strategies for church planting. And when you see those five and you think of the Apostle Paul and his strategy, he would go to a place and most of the time he'd go to the synagogue. Since he was a follower of Gamaliel, they would ask him to teach or preach, and he would. And uh, then he would share, honestly, the truth of Jesus Christ, evangelism. And those that would believe, he would take aside in that growing process. They would grow, and then he would bring them together, and there would be a church formed after several weeks a lot. He stayed there for a while, and then he worked on leadership. You remember he said he ordained elders in each church, and that was the leadership that that he was forming there. He did it even in Philippi, which was a basically Gentile and didn't have the synagogue model Nathan, but he did that. But those five strategies are there. One more thing that I would say that the Apostle Paul did, and it has to do with leadership and discipleship because he did this in a way. He kept on communicating with them through letters. And that's why we have part of the New Testament today is because of those letters. So these are five keys, five strategies to starting a church. So we're going to hear this interview by our guests today, and they're involved in planting churches, and I think it will encourage you. I believe with all my heart it will empower you to look from you and see the fields are white to harvest and say, you know, we could start a Bible study and we could grow these and we could lead into the possibility of starting a church. So we hope you'll enjoy this interview and may God bless you and continue to use you as you're challenged to start being a disciple and making disciples for Jesus Christ, especially as we hear our guest today. Our guest today on Exploring Missions is Dr. Mark Davis. He is president of the Worldwide Church Planters. Uh, Welcome, Mark. Thank you, Bert. I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you today. It's good. We heard you this morning in devotion, and it was just so exciting, and I was so excited to invite you over so that we could have you on Exploring Missions. Well, I'm looking forward to this time as well. Yeah, That's what missions is all about. Let me see. Worldwide. You think it's not just an American thing? Is that what you're telling me? Well, you know, I think it's here, there, and everywhere, (laughs) obviously, but uh, God is doing just a tremendous work in a lot of countries around the world, and you know, our ministry opportunity has taken us to a lot of those different countries to share the gospel and see people come to faith and then desiring to study the Word of God and helping to plant more churches as well. So it is a worldwide event. I believe when Jesus was talking to the disciples, 
you know, he gave the Great Commission, obviously, and then Acts 1-8 when he talked about, you know, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Then he said the uttermost parts of the world. You know, we're in the uttermost part. Even in our own country right now, it's the uttermost part. He didn't intend for it just to stay there in Jerusalem. He intended for the gospel to go everywhere so that everyone would have an opportunity to hear the gospel, to hear the truth, and to make a decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me see. Jesus said, the, or they said about these men who'd been with Jesus, they turned the world upside down. Yeah, those so, that have turned the world upside down have come here as well. So you're trying to do that with worldwide? Well, we want we want uh, the Holy Spirit to turn the world upside <laughs> down, obviously. It, but, but, you know, what an opportunity to be used by God. It is. And I have found that if you'll just surrender to God, God will do amazing things. And a lot of folks will say, well, you know, I've never seen God do anything like that. Well, surrender. And once you do so, God goes to work. You know, he is just waiting for us to say, this vessel that you've given to me, you've loaned to me, my body, my life, I lay it on the line. I give it back to you, Lord, and whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do just that. Well, this morning, and you did this, and I wanted this on the program, too, to let people know uh, how, when, and where. But you were in Dyersburg, Tennessee, and God Mm -hmm. touched your heart for salvation Mm -hmm. and for God's call upon your life. Yes. Uh, So, Mm -hmm. can it happen early? It can. I came to know the Lord at the age of seven. Uh, I remember where I was with my mom and dad at home. It was on a Tuesday night, and I began to ask dad some questions about eternity, and dad set an appointment with our pastor, uh, Brother Tom Drake, on Wednesday night. And uh, we were sitting out in front of the church in a parking space that I can take you to today. And uh, Brother Tom was on my right-hand side. My dad was on my left in the front seat of a blue 1963 Chevrolet Impala. Oh, man. And, now, um, now, listen, that's, that's, I wasn't coveting until you said yeah. that. <laughs> Everybody wants these new cars. There you now, go. some of us our age, we want those older that's ones. That's exactly hey, right, hey, yeah. But you were saved in a uh, that, uh, The pastor took his New Testament, shared the gospel, and I received him as Lord and Savior. Amen. I walked in the church, and Brother Tom said, we're going to do what we normally don't do. We're going to give an invitation on a Wednesday night. And, of course, I was able to go forward and make it public at that point. But God began to use my life during that time. Even at the age of seven, I was out sharing the gospel. But when I was in the eighth grade, our church had taken all the young people down to Memphis, Tennessee, to a youth rally. And God began to speak to my heart about just surrendering. I didn't know what all that meant. I uh, came home on Monday, was walking home from school. And God was still just penetrating my mind about that. And I remember stopping before crossing over a railroad track to go to our part of the town. And I just stopped, looked up to heaven, pointed my finger upward and said, Lord, I'll go anywhere in the world you want me to go to tell anybody you want me to tell about Jesus Christ. I did not know what that meant then. I still don't fully, but I've got a better idea uh, because God has taken me to many, many nations to be able to share the gospel. But uh, that first commitment there in the eighth grade made the difference. And, of course, going to Kazakhstan really opened the door for me, too, to see what missions was supposed to be like. Was this your first overseas That was my first overseas mission trip. Really, no matter where that is, usually if you have a tender heart and a Mm. ready mind, God usually uses that either to call you into it or get you prepared to send others there. Absolutely. Or even to prepare you to be a part of what God is doing, but you may not ever go, but... uh, I tell people often, you know, find somebody that's doing it. If you can't, then hook your wagon up to them and help them get it done. So Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan. That's, that's over in Asia. 
that is. It was former Soviet Union right. at the time, and uh, the Cossacks are the main people group there. Of course, there are a lot of Russians that are there, too, not as many now as it was then. But uh, God used that trip to help me to see what missions was all about. We did a lot of street preaching, going out in the market, just standing up on a stump and just talking. And we found that because we spoke English and we're Americans, didn't look like everybody else, as soon as we started talking, we got a crowd <laughs> and uh, were able to preach the Word of God. That's kind of like a faith. Southerner in Cal- Southern California, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, sir. They, they pick up on that. <laughs> they and do. it's amazing how God uses that, quote, disadvantage of language to make it an advantage is good. Absolutely. I think there's a scripture about that, isn't I think, there? <laughs> I think so, too. You know, we have found, you know, a lot of times I go into countries and say, well, don't you know the language? Well, no, I don't. But, you know, I can usually attract attention pretty quickly as soon as I open my mouth. Yeah. You know, I was in China standing on a... Uh, on a uh, birth birthing place for a train to come through, just waiting for the train to arrive. And a man walks up to us, and I had my translator, the young lady that led to the Lord while I was in China, and she spoke perfect English, and so she was my translator. And he came up and stood right there perpendicular to us, staring at us. And, and I got a little nervous because, you know, Christianity is just not a— uh, something that is looked on favorably in China, and so I kept moving myself around in front in front of him, in between him and her, and he kept moving. And finally, I just looked at him and says, "You know, what? Who are you, and what are you? What are you wanting?" And he said, "Are you a Christian?" And I said, "Yes, sir. I am a Christian. I'm, a, I'm born again." And he said, "Would you tell me how to be born again?" I've been waiting for someone to tell me, and uh, they called for our train. I said, "Well, the, I'm, I have to go." Now, what are you going to do? And he said, well, I'm going to be on a train as well. And I said, which one? He pointed one. I said, well, that's our train. I said, do you have a sitting ticket or a standing ticket? He said, well, I've got a standing ticket. I said, well, I have a sitting ticket. You, When the train gets going, you come to our car, and you can have one of our seats, and we can talk. And while we were there, uh, he made his way, sat down. One of our my friends that was with us, also a pastor, he got up, and the gentleman sat down. I was able to share the gospel with him. He came to know the Lord. I had a Chinese-English Bible, gave him a copy of it, discipled him some. He says, tell me how I, how I can go home and tell my children and my family about this. And so we did just that for about two hours. Uh, he was Sitting next to him was a Chinese man, and after we finished, the Chinese man understood English. I did not know that, but uh, he spoke up. He says, you think I can do that too? <laughs> and I said, well, absolutely. Amen. And he prayed to receive the Lord, gave him another, my last copy of an English-Chinese Bible, uh, he emailed me later, about a month later, and says, I've read, the, read that book from cover to cover. Now what do I do? Now how many people in our country have even read through it one time right. in their life? Right. He read it in a month. That was that even important. Leviticus. Even Leviticus, <laughs> by the way, which is one of my favorite books hey, in the Bible. When you get into it and you see yeah. the, somebody called it the priest and the feast. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? Yeah. Uh, if you look absolutely. at it that way, it really opens it up. It hey, does. This is not exploring the Word. This That's is right, right. Missions, we wanted to get that in. <laughs> yes, sir. But you, the Word of God is powerful. It is. Bring them in and then disciple them. Right. Right. Uh, how, let me ask you this, okay. and we'll get back to some stories if you don't mind. Absolutely. But the Word of God being put into the language of like unreached people groups yes. is such a vital part of that. And it is. I've seen films of, of those uh, tribes who were waiting 
for a Bible in their own language, mm-hmm. the Christians. Yes. And you talk it's they are receiving a great gift. They are. And, you know, the Word of God being printed in all these languages is so vitally important because, listen, you know this as well, Bert. You know, no one can be saved apart from the Word of God. Exactly. You know, my stories, my experiences are all great. They're wonderful to share. But that won't make a difference in somebody's life who's lost. They need to hear Scripture. It is the Word of God that changes a life and draws men, women, boys, and girls to to the Lord. The Holy Spirit uses that. And so it's so vitally important for us to, to get the Word of God out, to share the gospel through the Word of God, obviously. But uh, as much as we can put the Word of God out, it's so important. And that's what we do when we go in. We'll buy Scriptures. We'll tote crates of the Bibles in, boxes of unboxes, and give those scriptures away because it's so important that folks know. Yeah, The Word of God is the Word of God no matter what. I, I tell is. people it's called the sword of the Spirit. It is. And I said the best way to prove a sword is real is to use it. That's absolutely. So the Word of God being proclaimed for salvation mm. and for discipleship, mm. you do not separate those, and I know uh, that's true. With Worldwide Church Planters, by the way, mm-hmm. the website is wwcp.org. That's correct. That is right, wwcp.org. Where's your headquarters? It's here in Mississippi, uh, around the Ripley areas. We come up here once a year to have our, our annual meeting. But it, we are a Mississippi organization, although I live in Florida right now. But uh, we still have our well, yeah, papers here. That makes here. your roots really, really good yes, for this old yes, northeast sir. Mississippi. Yeah, the, the first church I served was here in Mississippi over in Corinth. Okay. A uh, little, little small church out in the country. you got to tell me what it was. Brigman Hill Baptist Church. I know where it is. I was at Shallow Baptist Church yeah. up in Alcorn County myself. Oh, so, yeah, well, yeah. You, running so, buddies there. There you, there you go. But, That's where we cut our teeth. Amen. <laughs> Mark, when you go into a, a, whether it's in the Amazon, Eastern Africa, Asia, wherever it might be, the message is the same. Do, do mm-hmm. you, does your presentation, does it, is it accepted no matter what, or is, it is. some of the local you know, people there, are they expecting certain things, or is the, does the message of Christ cut right through? The message of Christ does. It cuts right through. We don't change anything. Uh, no matter what country I'm in, whatever language it may be, the message is still the same. And folks are, are open to that. You know, they're receiving the, the Word of God just like that. We don't have to put on a show. We have found that if we just tell the truth, which is what the Bible is, Let me it see, is the Bible the truth. says something about that. It, it is, yeah. <laughs> and of course, our Lord said, "I am the way, the truth, Amen. and the life," and He is the truth. He is absolute truth. Yeah. And uh, so we share just like that. We talk. We talk about who Jesus is. Now, let me back back up for a moment. Sometimes we got to start at Genesis one one. Yeah. In the beginning, God. Uh, we have been places where they didn't know who Jesus was, never heard the name. You're right. And so we have to talk about, well, you know, all the things around us have been created and who did the, that creation. And then we take it from that creation moment and move up through the scriptures. And so we may have to be more in depth in some respects. Then there are others that have some understanding or knowledge of who Jesus is that we can really not have to go so far back in the Word of God, but we can bring it up a little bit further. But we have found that just preaching the truth is what changes lives. As well, when we take Bibles in, a lot of times when I'm sharing, I'll open up a Bible in their language. If they read, I will let them read the verses that I'm sharing. And I have found that that even has a greater impact on their lives. You know, in the book of Acts, mm-hmm. uh, in the beginning, if you notice, you've probably noticed this, 
multitudes were coming to Christ. Peter yeah. was preaching. Mm-hmm. Later on in the book of Acts, Paul is preaching, and you don't hear the multitudes very much. You hear some came. Right, right. And, uh, I, you know, people like, was Peter a better preacher? No, it was the audience. And when you said right. with some people you have to start at the book of Acts, that's the reason I thought of that. Yeah. Uh, and with the Jewish people, they already knew that there was one God. Mm-hmm. They already knew mm-hmm. the promise of Messiah. Right. They, they already had this basic, and so they were already made audience. Exactly. Whereas as Paul went out into the Roman Empire and he would yes, he would start out in the synagogue, mm-hmm. but you know, they it wasn't like that synagogue controlled the city of Corinth. Correct, you know, correct. And correct. so he had to if you notice, he had to develop that story mm-hmm. a little bit further he, to come to Christ to the truth. And so that's mm-hmm. true even today with mm-hmm. the the people you're working with. It is. But keep in mind, Peter and Paul had two different ministries. Right. Uh, Peter was more of an open-air, boisterous pastor, preacher, teacher. Paul was a church planter. And so in church planting, you start with a smaller group than you do the larger group. Now, in Acts chapter 2, when he preached at Pentecost, you know, over 3,000 came to know the Lord. A church came out of that, but you don't hear of multiple churches coming. But when you get with Paul's life, you see the church of Corinth being started, the Thessalonica, uh, Philippi, uh, the Philippi church. All those churches were started. Paul goes into that area and begins to preach and brings together that nucleus and starts with them. So two different ministries, although this, the ministries that both had were all focusing on lifting up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But God used them in two different ways. Yes. Well, it's getting more true here in America about people who are less knowledgeable of the Scriptures, mm-hmm. that you got to Start more at the beginning. You, still, you, you could just go straight out and knock on a door, tell them about Jesus, and they knew what you were talking oh, about. Yeah. Fewer and fewer are doing, having, because they they haven't even been, hadn't heard of Jesus. You, that's, that's exactly uh, right. I, you told this morning about this lady in church here in the Bible Belt said, I've yeah. never heard the the yeah. truth of how to be saved before. Yeah, we were at the, at the hotel, staying in the hallway of the hotel. And I was able to just begin a conversation with her, and it led to, if you were to die today, where will you spend eternity? Which is such an important question to ask, obviously, because, listen, no matter what else happens in your life, you better know where you're going. And you better understand how to get there as well. And so standing right there at that hotel in the hallway, she bowed her head and uh, prayed to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And with tears coming down her face, she said, you know, no one has ever told me quite like that how to become born again. And she'd been in church many, many times, but for whatever reason, wherever she was going, they were not sharing that good news. If she did, she didn't hear it. That's right. I, I've heard I've heard that as well of yeah. people, and Absolutely. I said, well, let me see. I know you were here. Well, I didn't hear it. That's right. <laughs> so it is the coming together of the Word of God, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit, with someone to share it and share it with. That's when exactly When those right. three, four, excuse me, come together, mm-hmm. you see some things, great things happening. Absolutely. Our, our guest today is Dr. Mark Davis. He is president of Worldwide Church Planters, and that website is wwcp.org. And, Mark, one more thing I was wanting to ask you. And, by the way, we're going to have another program. You're going to be with us mm-hmm. next weekend, those that are listening today. You, mm-hmm. We're going to continue this conversation, and that way we'll have two parts. But I, I did want you to finish on this. As you see church planting happening, mm-hmm. yes, sir. Uh, it's quite different than what we're used to in America and what it is, say, in 
East Africa or somewhere else. It, it is. Is it as okay? Do you have to get a building committee together, and do you have to uh, decide what your bylaws and constitution no, is going to be? You don't have. You to don't do have to that? do any of that. Oh that wow! Stuff. Tell us about that. I, I would love to do that. Uh, our work is discovered through the scriptures, obviously, and other things. But uh, when we go to particular countries and we train men on how to be a pastor, how to be a church planter, then we go with them out in the community and share the gospel. That's the second part of our ministry. And then the third part is to draw together individuals that want to know more about God and begin a Bible study, and which turns into a church. And then fourthly, we uh, encourage that church to learn how to reproduce itself. But we're seeing churches started on day one. Uh, it takes a day. It takes two days. I, uh, a few years back, I took a one of our church planters here in the United States. He was in a particular state, and he was over that state's department for church planting. And so we went out with him, and he says it takes months, sometimes years, to get a church started. And so I said, well, just come with me today. And we went out, and a church was started in one day. And he stood there scratching his head and says, I, I just, if I were not here to see it, I could not believe it. Mm-hmm. You see, when God is at work, he does things beyond what we think the way he should do things. Amen. And when he does, it, we see churches formed. And so within a day, two days, we were in, um, I think I shared this morning about being in um, Eastern Europe, and uh, on a particular trip in less than two weeks, we saw 19 churches started. And those churches are still going on today. I was in Siberia. We started 23 churches in Siberia. The guy that was our leader over that particular area was Russian saw him a few years ago, and he said all the churches are doing very well. They're, they're continuing to grow and reproduce themselves. And so that's what it's all about is, is really moving the Americanized ideas out of the way and get back to a biblical concept. By the way, we could do that here in the United States. We could learn from them. Yes. I mean, we think we've got it here in America where we've been, quote, trained. And is it 80% of the trained clergy in the world is ministering to 20% of the people? I think that's that's accurate. That, I think that's the yeah. case I've heard. So I, the things I've learned when I've gone on these mission trips, I've, I've gone to train them. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. uh, my son that helps me with this program, Nathan, uh, we teamed up. I would go and I would share with the pastors how to preach and develop sermons that already, you know, that's, was, that, that's what I like to do. Sure. And he would come along and help them, show them how to do small groups and train mm-hmm. them and, and multiply, you right. know. And uh, when you do that, you're equipping. A lot of the times, missions has failed. When I've talked to people that mm-hmm. that I've talked to that's involved in it, uh, the training is really, really important, isn't it? it? It really is. Let me let me give you a couple of definitions if we have time to do that right here. You know, in the Bible, we've got ministry and we've got missions. Both are very distinctly different. Uh, Matthew chapter 25 is the ministry of the church. Matthew 28 is the mission of the church. The mission is the propagation of the gospel of Jesus Christ with the intent of planting churches and then discipling them to plant more churches. Ministry is touching the physical needs of individuals' lives. And so there are teams that go out and do ministry work, and that's a wonderful thing. And then there are teams that go out and do mission work, and that too is is a wonderful thing. Our focus predominantly has been on the latter of the those two, the mission work right. and taking the gospel and expanding that gospel to others and sharing it so that they can come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Mark, thank you for being with us today. Thank and you. We're excited about Worldwide Church Planters, the ministry you have. Thank you. WWCP.org is your website, and we would invite people to go there, find out more about it, how they could be involved, and how they can share in the ministry. But praise God for what God's doing in planting churches. Amen. You're listening today. You're in a church. If you are, you're in a church that was planted at some point mm. in time. And you be thankful for that. And may God enrich your life to help plant others. Mm.